Hello and welcome to series two, episode 13 of Dad Educates Daughter. Today we are talking about or discussing Marillion, Kajagoogoo, Fiction Factory, Reflex and TransX as I try and influence my daughter into liking 80s music. Hello, Rebecca. Hi, Dad. Although you think that influencing me in 80s music isn't going very well, do you? Because I don't like people that you like. I think on the whole it's, it's gone well. Just I'm surprised with some of your um, picks over things I, I think you would have gone for or bands I thought you'd have gone for. You seem to have gone for the other ones, but yeah. it's still... You wouldn't have known about those groups, bands, had I had we not been doing this and... Um, no. I sent you the songs for for them. You no, know? I mean, most to be honest, it's, it's more the songs that you like. I mean, some of them are quite low chart, low charting songs, <laughs> whereas you'd have only heard the, the the mainstream commercial songs that done well. So, yeah. in that point of view, it's um, definitely a, a plus. I like to be different. Yes, <laughs> well, I know that. Okay, then, so this week, as I said, Marillion, Kachagoogoo, Fiction Factory, Reflex, Transex. Yeah. How did you find it? Any number ones in there? I've gone for one number one. I'm pretty confident on it. I feel like I've got it this week. Um, Okay. Kachagoogoo, too shy. Okay. Definitely think that. But I think that's the only one. Considering the amount of songs you have given me for Marillion. Oh, my goodness. There's so many. I'll be honest. I mean, I was even shocked with how many songs Marillion have done. And without giving too much away, the time that they come across as well. So they're not all Uh, 80s songs that you've had. Well, why have you done that to me? There's too many. Well, because there wasn't much of the others, to be honest. No, there weren't. I mean, you know, you've got three groups with three songs between the three of them. So one song each. Yeah. Um, and Catch a Goo Goo haven't got that many either, to be honest. No. It's, like, um, it's a quite a, it's not a, it's not a full week, is it? It's a so, yeah, Marillion so, week with starring. Yeah, yeah, it's Marillion week. <laughs> featuring Catch a Goo Goo, Fiction Factory, Reflex and Transact. Yeah. That's how you should have introduced it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, like Marillion, Marillion sounds different to the rest yeah. of them as well. So that was uh-huh. weird, having so much Marillion, getting used to that sound, and then going into the other four. Yeah. So it's a bit of a split week as well when you've... Yeah, the, and uh, the only reason like. they're all together, there is nothing to do with the music or anything. It mm. is literally because they're all... I mean, we've gone 83 into 84 this week. So we're finishing oh, off we're 83. moving on. And we right. started into 84. Right, So okay. Marillion and Kachagoogoo are both from 83. Mm-hmm. Or their first big, their hit. first not big hit, but their first hit, top yeah. 40, was in 1983. And then the other three are all from 1984. Right, okay. Oh, 84 so didn't have many. We're going into 1984 now. Right, okay. But given, given that, 84's not got much of a high hope from me with three no. bands well, with one song will... each. Okay, yeah, but that was just, they, they, they were just episode fillers, really. And that's Talk why Marillion's in with these, because Marillion, the amount of songs Marillion had, mm. it was hard for me to give you another group with 
another amount of yeah. songs you'd have you needed obviously want, we want more than two groups per episode we, we want about five six maybe yeah. four probably at a stretch is probably the the, the most uh, the minimum um but um to to fit in with marillion it had to be ones that weren't didn't have much otherwise you'd we'd be still taking two weeks to disc to uh, for you to listen but to these, yeah yeah no i get it it was just when you sent over Marillion, I was like, what? And then listening to him, I was like, have I finished yet? Have I finished yet? And that's not saying whether I liked him or not, but you know, you're kind of like waiting. Because usually it's like, like, I mean, the songs that I've listened to is probably like two, three albums worth. So you think you don't usually listen to them back to back, do you? You change it up a bit. No. So it was quite a lot to listen to in one bulk. It took yeah. a lot of... Um, journeys to work let's say that <laughs> well without giving too much away when you say about the albums they had nine top 10 albums wow i'm not so surprised though to and get that's, that amount that's of only music. that's all of i don't know how many they had outside all of together. the top 10 yeah that's just nine in the top 10 of which six were in the 80s okay so they were producing a lot anyway so you were right about one number one Okay. Find out whether you're right about the song, but you're right about now at number I'm one. I'm very confident. Okay. So let's talk music. Let's start with Marillion, as yeah. we've already spoke. There's a few few songs to get through or for you to talk about. So you should have quite a bit of um, material, I suppose, to, to get your teeth into and talk about on this one then. Yeah. Well, not really, because because there's so much, like... You end up, so going off the songs, what I've got is, I've put them down as a rock slash new wave. Um, and I've just gone for just rock. I mean, there's so many different subgenres of rock that they could be any of them, to be honest. Um, they probably cover quite a lot. But going through their songs, when I was listening, like, um, I don't even know how many you've given me, just why so many. But like, you know, they start like straight away, they're rocky and I'm like, oh God, that's carrying on from last week anyway. But then you've got some ones that are really instrumental, but that comes with rock anyway. You've got their calm down and like in the middle, they calm down quite a lot. And I'm like, oh yeah, this is right up my street. They've changed a bit. And then they get a bit more into the rock again. They're kind of like... It's kind of like you can tell, because there's so many, you know they've gone through the 80s. So it's like they've definitely gone with the times and what people have liked. So starting off with the rock, I feel like early 80s, I mean, we've already touched on how much rock there was in the early 80s. And these have gone in with that. But then seeing how that's changed and how mid-80s they went a bit more electric, they've gone a bit like that in the middle but they didn't have many, like they didn't go too far away from what they actually are, what they were formed as, i.e. rock. But they've, so with it keeping in their rock, they've done, they've got more catchy, more sing-along, you know, they've got more up my street is the way that we can describe it because everyone knows what that's like now. Um, like, you know, like actual singing rather than just kind of talking at you. Um, and then towards the end, they go very calm like 
I can't like they go quiet like like I say they've still got the hint of rock you can tell they've got their instruments but the mood of the song changes so it's like I don't know they have a nice flow in fact they're not back and forth they're not like I don't know what we are I don't know what to do like they definitely are rock I'll be really shocked if you say they're anything other but yeah they kind of go with it and they've got a nice flow from the beginning to the end so that was nice like uh, from having such a bulk of songs it was nice to see that flow as you were listening and looking at them wise they just all look the same you know but they're very in formation but they all look the same like they've all got the similar haircut they're all dark but yeah nothing really stood out to me you know that the video is more like performances so yeah which usually is with as you say rock bands Mm, but it did look like they've got quite a vast variety of instruments if you're not saying that, it looks like, I don't know, not like an orchestra, but it looks like they've got quite a few people. And I don't know whether they're like add-ons because it looked like that the main bunch, I think I worked out there's like five, maybe six of them. But I feel like the band is bigger, if that makes sense. I don't know. That might have just been in one video. Yeah. Uh, So regarding their music changing, that could be two things. Mm. One, as we've already pointed out before, the, the music did change through the 80s. Yeah. And maybe they've, whereas some people didn't change and they just carried on as they were and obviously then eventually didn't didn't have the, the other than their, I suppose, core followers, depending mm. on how big they were, decided whether they continued, you know, at that, to, you know, to be able to sustain it. So you either changed or or you just continued and just hope that you had enough to keep you going. But also, as I say, they they were you've got quite a a large amount of songs over quite a few years, decades. Oh, so again, they've got older. So hence they may be calmer come the end of it. Okay, they're now a bit older. Depending mm-hmm. on what years we're going to be looking at, but we'll obviously come to that when we go through their songs. Mm-hmm. Um, so regarding who they are, you're writing five five of them. So right. the main when they were their most successful is the lineup I've taken, right. but I have written down their founding lineup as well. So you had Derek William Dick on vocals, otherwise known as Fish, is what he went by. I mean, his name's so, yeah, already so. Derek William Dick. Yeah, and he called himself Fish. Uh, okay. a stage name. Steve Wothery on guitar. Mark Kelly on keyboards. Pete Truavas Tru- Tru- on bass. And Ian Mosley on drums. Now, they were founded in 1979 oh, in wow. Aylesbury, Buckinghamshire. Oh, Okay. And they are a neo-prog rock group. Neo being early. Neo as in, so I, I have written it down, what, okay. it, what, it, what it's about. So I'm glad. Out. So the founding members were Steve Rothery on guitar, as, as I've already said. Mick Pointer was the original drummer. Brian Jellyman was the original keyboardist. Mm. And Dave Irvine was bass and vocals. So he done both. Right, okay. Um, so then Fish, they brought in Fish to replace 
Irvine on vocals in 1981. So then they formed in 1979. Okay, so it didn't take too long to give it a mix up. Yeah, while Mark Kelly replaced Jellyman on keyboards later in that same year. Right. And then Diz Mimit joined in 81 on bass, but was replaced with Pete Truvas by 1982. So they, right, they okay. took a so while to, to get the right bass player. Yeah. Um, so they, they started, as I say, with Danny Irvine on both vocals and bass. He obviously left. So they had to bring in two people to replace him, a, vo- a vocalist or lead singer and a bass player. Um, and the, the next bass player, obviously, for whatever reason, didn't work out or they decided to, to go elsewhere. So then um, in come Pete Truvas in 1982. So Mick Pointer, the drummer, he left in 1983, and after several replacements, Ian Mosley was eventually um, recruited in 1984. Okay, so yeah. It took, so it took a while to get if, the, the right drummer as well. But then that's not that much. That's not that long. That's five years. Yeah. It's not that long. Like, consider, I mean, when you look at just the 80s, yeah, you're already halfway through the 80s, but actually the way that, um, the vibe that I'm getting from here is that these went on for quite a while. So really yeah. in their career, is quite early yeah. on. And as you'll find, their commercial success happened in 1985, okay. which would have been with that main, that's what- The lineup that, that you've given me. Lineup at with. the beginning, that was the main lineup and yeah. I suppose still is, you know. Are the, they still going? Um, I think so, yes. Although yeah. it's totally different now, as you will find out. Right, okay. So Marillion are the most commercially successful neo-progressive rock band of the 80s. Right. So neo-prog, as it's shortened to, is seen as a bridge between punk rock and prog rock or progressive rock. So it's the in the middle. So punk rock and and prog rock. Right, okay. So So it's not as harsh as punk rock. And we've had groups from both. Yeah. And I suppose if I could remember who they were, I mean, I'm not even going to try and remember who, who was what. Oh, um, God, I think no, there's been too up, many. The, the Clash was, I think they were, pro, I can't remember if they were punk rock or progressive rock. I think um, Yes were progressive rock, Clash were prog rock, uh, uh, were um, punk rock. But okay. I'm not, don't, I can't. Don't quote you on remember. that. Go but, back um, and listen to the previous it, episodes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, um, Marillions are in between and link right. it up. Now, they were originally called Silmarillion, Silmarillion. Sil- oh, right, it's one word. Evident, which was evidently after a J.R. Tolkien book, so the person who done The Hobbit and that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was after that, but then they shortened it just to Marillion. Okay. Um, before they obviously, I think, before they obviously made it. Big. Made it, yeah. Like, they've never they been known as anything else, to, really. To change it. Now, in 2008... Marillion were voted number 38 in Classic Rock's 50 Best Live Acts of All Time. Okay. Which doesn't I mean, sound quite 38, no. but when you think how many rock groups we've spoken about, then number 38 is quite is quite good, you know, so. And to be fair, they're like, in their videos, doing their live performances, they were like performers, so they had something about them to be on there. Obviously, and I noticed that, you know, they knew what they were doing. They're passionate about what they're doing. Yeah. So 
Although they departed from their record label EMI in 1996, which is still quite a way with them for a while, they have essentially been a cult act since, having a top 10 hit as recent as 2004. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say more recent than that. With Your Gone. And their fir- that was their first big hit since Fish had left. Right, okay. And Fish was a vocalist. Yeah. So despite unpopularity in the mainstream and having an unfashionable status within the British music industry, because they were never never seen as big, even as a rock group. They were never, you know, when you when you think of British rock groups, they weren't one that people would say, you know, n- nothing on like Queen and um, Status Quo and, you know. Yeah, the, but like, I was going to say, like, I've never heard of these, whereas even the rock bands when you're doing like heavy rock, I've heard, I'd heard of them. Not necessarily listen sure. to their music, but I'd heard of them. So it yeah. shows that they're not exactly big. Yeah. So Marillion have maintained a very loyal fan base and are widely acknowledged as playing a pioneering role in the development of crowdfunding and fan-funded music. So they actually tapped into the potential in 1996 when they lost their record deal. Mm -hmm. And their 2001 album Anarachnophobia was fully funded by fans through advanced orders instead of the band signing with a record label. So if they got no one pre-ordering it, they wouldn't have even been able to make it. Yeah. So with people having faith without hearing anything really, pre-ordering it, they managed to make an album. That's mad, really. When you think about it, that's people putting their money into something that they have no idea, just knowing that they like Marillion. Bear in mind that it's 2001, so it's not the same Marillion that they'd heard of back in the 80s if it was, you know, those fans from the beginning. That's not bad, you know. No, no. And, I didn't know that um, could be done either. Yeah, so um, this actually gained significant attention at the time with the BBC calling it a unique funding campaign and hence they're seen as pioneers for crowdfunding. Right, because had no one else done it before then? then? Not, not to, I suppose, the degree that they had and to the attention that they had. Right. They brought it to the forefront or the idea of how you can raise money to do things mm-hmm. rather than getting um, loans or losing a percentage of your 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 future sales to to do to do what you wanted to do yeah like it's a big risk taker yeah their fans actually paid for the album to be made by pre-ordering that album so they they bought the album before it even been made um, any music anything on it anything like reviews it was more just a album title yeah. At that point, yeah. yeah. Whether they they you know had like demos a single, it, yeah, they would have yeah. gone to a record company. I, I don't know, but still, it's you know. I like that talking, though. That's you know, different. You need a lot of money to have made mm. a to you know to have. To well, have yeah, not just anyone can make an album. It's it takes work and time. Studio yeah. cost like recording in a studio costs money alone. Yeah. Producer to produce the album mm. and yeah. So um, Fish, as I say, he left, and that was in 1988. And he was replaced on vocals by Steve Hogarth. Now, when um, Fish left, 
um, which was around 1987. So he said he, he actually explained his reasons for leaving in an interview in 2003. Oh, so quite. So that- this is Ooh. this is what he says. He says by 1987, we were overplaying live because the manager was on 20 percent of the gross. Um, oh, so live words, performances. They were going out. They were having to go and play live because, because the manager, manager wouldn't make any money if they if they were. Right. Yeah. Um, so he was making a fantastic amount of money while we were working our asses off. Then I found a bit of paper proposing an American tour. At the end of the day, the band would have needed a fourteen thousand loan from EMI as tour support to do it. Wow. Uh, that was when I knew that if I stayed with the band, I'd probably end up a raging alcoholic and be found overdosed and dying in a big house in Oxford with Irish wolf hounds at the hounds at the bottom of my bed. So in other words, what he's trying to say is it would have been nice to have had the money, but he'd have been he'd have died of exhaustion and going mad and drippy drinking and because well, mm. he wouldn't have had nothing else. Yeah. So um, he he left. Um, now the, the band actually did still go on and tour in America. So uh, oh, so, so yeah. he left and the band went on and done it anyway. But he yeah, so they bought in as I say, Steve Hogarth, and um, they carried on and he uh, he went. Although there was legal battles um, to uh, I suppose sort out the the contract between Fish and the other band members and it actually didn't get completed until 1999 oh so it took quite a while then yeah did fish go on to do anything else he had a solo career but nothing right nothing really came of it no no so the band sold 15 million albums worldwide i mean they had a lot of albums released anyway yeah so they had eight top 20 singles, four from the 80s. Right. As I've already said, they had nine top 10 albums, of which six were in the 80s, including Misplaced Childhood, which reached number one in the album chart in 1985, mm-hmm. and Clutching at Straws, which reached number two in the charts in 1987. Okay. And then in 2016... Fear or F E A R, because it's all in capitals, was oh, right. number four in the album chart. And that was in 2016. And that's 2016. And that shows you how loyal their fan base was and why I suppose the crowdfunding, fan funding really worked all mm. back then is, is how it got off the ground because you need that support and that. Mm. you know to, to to generate that income if that's the model that you're you're going down so yeah it shows that their fans followed them even though they've had these changes like they, they've not really had a break though you've not said that they've come back and reformed and whatnot really they've no, kind of no, steadily they they, kept they, going as i said they've, they've carried on mm. and as you'll see from when we go through their which i'm about to do their their songs you can tell by the how often they're releasing a single mm. stroke obviously off an album, off an album. Um, it literally there is no hiatus mm. hiatus in, in in there at all okay. so we shall start so although they formed in 1979 um it wasn't until 1983 they had their first 
I suppose, top 40 hit, um, which was pretty much, as I said, with, with the, the new look. The one that you, from that, yeah. From the founding members, other than, as I said, the drummer who didn't join until 84, Ian Mosley. Yeah. So 1983, He Knows You Know, number 35. Okay. They started off slow, but like I say, you, when I was talking about them before, you can tell they're straight in a rock. 1983 as well, Garden Party, that got to number 16. Okay, I like the vocals in that one. The vocals really stuck out to me, so there's quite a few that I've enjoyed the uh-huh. sound of it. 1984, Punch and Judy, number 29. Okay, this one started off all right, and then as the song went on, it got really instrumental and rock. Like, you could really hear the music behind the vocals staying with 1984 assassin number 22 starts off with very odd sounds you know and at first i was like is this from a synthesizer or the instruments but yeah but and also they're doing more talking than they are singing like it's that weird talky singing Uh sounds i didn't enjoy that no okay 1985 kaylee Number two. Oh, okay. Okay. Nearly had me now. I, I, no, because I like this one. This, so from Katie, there's a good few that I like. Where I'm and like, that's when they were at their commercial success. Right. Okay. And the next song, which we're, we're discussing in a minute, is the one that I know them from. Right, okay. But the only problem with Kaylee, so when I was listening to it in the car, I really got into it and I was like, oh, this could be my favourite, you know, like it stuck out to me, you know, like when you're driving, you don't always pay attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not until I re-listen that I'm like, oh yeah, I do remember remember that, I thought of this. But Kaylee stuck out to me and then it went really instrumental and I was like, oh, but you should have just ended. You shouldn't have done that bit. So it dropped it a bit, but I did like it. So I'm not surprised that it's number two. It is a really good one. Okay. As I say, the, the song that got that I suppose made him notice with me because I like it. I think I'm pretty sure it's on a now one of the now tapes, now right. six, probably around that oh time. Oh god. Um no, back 1985, in Lavender. And that was number five. Okay. Good chorus. Yeah. And you can actually sing to this one. So you can see where you've got Kaylee, then you've got this one. They like, you know, like the flow I was talking about where they change a bit, but you can still tell it's rock. That's yeah. where this came in, where they've kind of calmed it down and singing more rather than uh-huh. that rock. So I enjoyed that one too. Good. Because as I say, that that is um, my... Uh, is that your favourite uh, or just... That's my favourite. I'd say, I mean, I wouldn't say I really know their songs, if I'm honest. There's some I've gone and listened to because of their chart position. I was like, oh, didn't I? Like, um, we'll come to it, but Incommunicado, it's charted well. I hadn't heard it, listened to so it. listen to it to I see. I still don't re- re- recognise it, even with its chart, knowing where... Oh, it yeah, because you would have listened to the charts at the time. You would have been, like, yeah. looking back, you were like, oh, I would have heard that one, but you don't recognise it. Not, it's not stuck out to you. No. Okay. So the uh, the song Lavender... Yeah. ...is um, features a number of verses that are reminiscent of the folk song Lavender's Blue. So if you listen to the folk song Lavender's Blue... And then listen to Lavender, it is a bit, you know, of 
they've got similarities. You can see the uh, influence influence of it. Yeah. Okay. So um, moving on to 1985, or carrying on 1985, Heart of Lefo- Lef- Lefovian, number 29. Okay. That one just had power ballad feels, and I feel like as a rock band, you've got to have something that's a bit more... I can't explain it, but it's not like it's not like a power ballad, but I can't explain the sound of a power ballad to what that sounds like, to how that's it's a similar, similar sound to it. So I just uh-huh. go with power ballad but it's i know it's not so you've, are you thinking like um yeah i was gonna say power ballads for me would be like foreigner one and yeah what love is. yeah like it's not like that but it's like uh, along the lovey-dovey belt out your heart kind of thing and that's what yeah. i see a power ballad as but that's more like down like yeah. low down in a power ballad so i get power ballad feels from it the way that it sounds so it was very singing your heart out and you know more focused on the singing than the actual music is yeah sure. that's a better way okay 1987 now we're going on to so we've gone for 1985 we've missed out 86 but we're going in so we could, so it's only one year but only one year that, but that still, time could be a bit of a that could be one changing making music going from one album to another album mm-hmm. and what have you so yeah so incommunicado as i say i hadn't heard of this one but it did get to number six okay it's a long song but it's got a very catchy chorus. Again, this one was nearly like a favourite. Really enjoyed this one. Another one that stuck out to me in the car. Really enjoyed it. I started, you know, when you start learning it and you're like, you find yourself singing along or bobbing along. And I was like, oh, okay. So, but then when I've re-listened and I'm like, okay, you are catchy, but you're not, you're not giving me that fool of something. But I did like it. Okay, staying with 1987, Sugar Mice, number 22. Too instrumental for me. Mm-hmm. Too much on that one. Okay, okay. Still 1987 and still number 22, Warm Wet Circles. This one, now I don't focus on the music a lot because we all know that I just love lyrics and words, but it's got very nice music. It's nice and calm. So whereas Sugar Mice was a bit more of the rock and the instrumental, this music was a lot calmer. So I enjoyed that one too. 1988, Freaks, number 24. Oh, I thought that one went a bit electric, you know. I started Uh questioning where they're going with it. I thought, okay, we've listened to quite a few now. Maybe they're changing and they're going from rock and getting out the synthesizer. But then you'll see when when you talk about the next one, my hopes for it shattered. Okay. So the next one is from 1989, Hooks in You, only got to number 30. I'm not surprised. It's gone rocket. Like at the beginning when they were, when all I could say was it's rock, it's rock. All you can hear is like the rock in it. That's what Hooks in You is. It just like come back and gone to their old selves. Yeah. And you don't like rock. No. 1990 we're going into now and we're going with Easter. And that got to number 34. This is like a lullaby. It's really nice. And it's got some backing vocals in it, rather than it just being one person. So I don't know, it was just really calm. And considering you had hooks in you before that, I was like, you're all right. Like, is this you? But it's like a little lullaby. It's really cute. Okay. And when you think of that, if you're saying that, I mean, in 19, the late 80s, early 90s was all your house music, mm. rapping, um, yeah. so for something like that. I mean, OK, number 34 is not great, but it's still inside the top 40. Yeah. 
1991, Cover My Eyes, Pain and Heaven, got to number 34. Okay, that one was just in the background for me. It weren't a bad song, but it weren't, you know, it didn't stick out. It was just, it was just there. You can just play it and forget that you've played it, really. 1991, No One Can got to number 33. However, it was re-released a year later in 1992 and it got to number 26. Okay, so not much better, but better. Yeah. Um, they were doing actual singing in that one. So that was nice, like to hear the vocals in because I really do like the sound of his voice. Well, by this time, the voice has changed because in oh, 1987, yeah. Fish left. So oh, fish yeah, we're the 1990s I suppose, after now. warm, wet circles, and then from freaks onwards, well, would be Hogarth. He has a nice voice too. Then so, we'll go with that. The two vocalists that they've had have really nice voices. Because you obviously never noticed. I didn't difference. notice really. No, yeah. not at all. Um, 1991, still dry land, number 34. Mm, too slow. This is where they went quiet, and now I guess now that I've clicked that they've changed vocalists they've changed their sound a bit this is where they go slow and it's weird because you're now saying they're in the 90s again with the house music and the rapping and more R&B they've not gone down that road at all with these next songs yeah so 1992 now I don't know whether this is after the re-release of No One Can or before However, you can see the chart position has suddenly really improved because right. they've gone from in the 30s with Cover My Eyes, Dry Land, Easter. They're all in the, well, they're all 34, funny enough, but all, even Hooks in You was number 30. Then No One Can was number 33. But as I say, the re-release got to number 26, yep. which was in 1992. Well, the next song is also 1992, Sympathy. Right. And that got to number 17. I feel like... This one might have been released first because this one, as much as I say they go quiet, I've just remembered this one sounds a bit more like that older stuff. So it could be it that they released Sympathy, calm. it done well, mm. and on the back of that, they, they re-release No One Can. Yeah, that's what I want to go with. Sense. Yeah, that's yeah. what I want to go with because Sympathy does, like I've written, it's a bit too much noise the further you get into it. starts off really nice. Really, like you can still hear that they've got their little, their you know, their rock in there as a sense. Um, but at the beginning, it's a hint of it, and then you get on, and there, there's more noise. So, as a is a change within the song. So I feel like that one is similar to their music that they were releasing in the eighties. So it would make sense yeah. that one doing better. No, and and you, I've just looked it up. They were. Obviously, Sympathy was 1992, and then it's got No One Can as 1993, but I think that's when it got it to its peak position. Right, okay. It might be that the other reference where I'd got it from was wrong, but um, I've got 92 written down there saying 93 as well. So, But it was definitely after Sympathy, yeah. so it had been the end of 92. So then 1994, Hollow Man. And we're going back again to the 30s because it's number well, 30. It's very quiet. People don't like that about them then because that one's gone very quiet. Yeah. Um, and then we had 2004. So just short of 10 years later, mm. You're Gone, number seven. Oh, no, sorry. Hold on. 1995. I've missed out. 1995, Beautiful, got to number 29. 
worried then because that's my favorite ah that's my favorite it's such a wholesome song it's a lovely song It's, it's beautiful it really is and it's like I laugh because I've chosen a song of my favorite from the 90s but I didn't know that any of these would be outside of the 80s yeah um but they have hit you know they like I say, Kaylee in communal in communal that one they were nearly my favorite but then beautiful came along so I do like some of that 80s stuff but yeah it was a really wholesome song sure so then we had the nine-year break so 90 95 beautiful and in 2004 you're gone however number seven that's good considering that's all the way in nine that 2004 now but again i've written about the vocals they sound really good it's not in Uh your face too much okay still in 2004 don't hurt yourself number 16 Mm, I've gone too instrumental on this one. Changed it. And then lastly, 2007. Thank you, whoever you are. Number 15. It was a good final song for them. And I like that the the title is thank you. (laughs) Like, bye. We're off. But they weren't off because they've done other things since. But in my head, listening to it, I was like, oh, that's a nice final one. Yeah. Okay. Um, just going back to your your beautiful. It's actually your. It's actually was released in June of ninety five. That's a month after I was born. Exactly. So it's been around as long as you. It has. You Maybe it's my song. We'll go with that. <laughs> Moving on then to Kachagugu. Yes. Kachagugu. The people where every time you say it, until you sent me what their name was written as, I thought you were saying catch. And I was very disappointed that everyone has a J in it. <laughs> Kajagoogoo. Yeah. I weren't hearing it as that. It was like Kachagoogoo. And I was like, oh, that's a funny name. It's not that funny. Um, these, are, do you know what? So there's not many, but, you know, there's enough to have a say on them. So we're talking six songs. And I really like the vocals. I think I've got a thing for the vocals this week. I really like the vocals in this one. They just sound really nice. Like they can go high pitched and do something with their voice and they can go very deep. And they're really catchy. And all six songs are like consistent. They don't change too much like they know their sound they've stuck stuck a bit i feel like they're you know synth pop they've definitely got something going on in there with a synthesizer and if they haven't i'll be surprised but yeah like i say they're consistent throughout their different like each song you've given me um that look wise you know they stand out don't they they're like bright colors they're like bright hair yeah, they just look like, I don't really know, like the front, obviously I don't know his name, but the front, the singer, he does this brown with like blonde spikes on the top. Yeah. Yeah, so I feel like that's some sort of signature look. But they just look like, they, you know, they had a bit of fun and they stand out. And it's weird because they don't, I don't know, I'm worried about the genre because it's not like they look, they don't look like they look a bit not rocky, but they're a bit a bit eccentric. But I don't know. I don't know if that's to do with just their look to make them 
memorable. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Kajagoogoo were Lamal on vocals, Nick Beggs on bass, Steve Askew on guitar, Stuart Neal on keyboards, and Jez Strode on drums. Okay. Yeah, they weren't a big group. Have they stayed like that? So they were originally known as Art Nouveau between 1978 and 1981. Right. Uh, and they were just a four-piece with okay. the bassist Nick Beggs on vocals as well as bass. So a bit like, as I just said, about with um, the original Marillion vocalist. Oh, yeah. bassist and um, vocals. That was the same for Kanchi Gugu. Right. And they did actually release a track under Art Nouveau called The Fear Machine, which sold a few hundred copies and oh. enjoyed also airtime on John Peel's show. John Peel. He's the independent guy, isn't he? He's the, no, he's the um, record, uh, the radio DJ who championed unsigned bands. That's it. Or, yeah, I suppose it's more unsigned and independent. Yeah. By giving them airplay, he hoped to get them a, a, a record, record, I suppose, because yeah. he put them in the, in the, in the, in the, in the mainstream, so yeah. to speak. However... Didn't work with um, Art Nouveau because right. despite this song's success, as, I mean, it, it sounds not a lot, a few hundred copies. But to them. But, but well, even just to get a few hundred copies, that's getting your name out there because that's not mm. just your friends and family buying it. And if you've got no. a massive friend, massive <laughs> circle of friends and family, that is, you know, quite a bit. And you've got to remember, these are the days before social media. Yeah, small so videos aren't being shared on Twitter and that mm. or, you know, Facebook and things like that. They're, they're having to do it word of mouth. Yeah. By, as we as I've always said, you know, going to the pubs, the clubs, the, the universities and getting yourself out there. And obviously getting on the John Pill show really helped because that is where record deals hopefully come, come along. Mm -hmm. um, so, however, despite the song's success, the band failed to secure a record deal. Right, okay. Okay. So... Hence now when I tell you after that bit, so because obviously that's Art Nouveau. Yeah, yeah, not, yeah, that's what I was about to be like, ah, so I bet they but, changed their name. So yeah, so then 1982, they formed Kachagugu. They're from Leighton Buzzard in Bedfordshire, mm -hmm. and they're a new wave synth pop group. Why oh, new wave? So Christopher Hamill joined as the lead singer. But that's not who you just said. Under the name Lamal. Right, okay, okay. Okay, so a bit like Fish. <laughs> Changed his name. Well, you know. he's had a stage name. So Lamal is an anagram of his surname, Hamel. Oh, yeah. I mean, okay. I don't know how it's spelled, but the way that I'm picturing them both spelled. So L-I-M-A-H-L. Hamel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and they renamed themselves... Kachagugu. Okay. Kachagugu, sorry. <laughs> a name coined phonetically from the first sounds of an in infant. Stop. Really? That's that is why the... they're called? Yeah. Kachagugu. <laughs> so, yeah, that's <laughs> where the name comes from. Please. Oh, my God. And they signed a record deal with EMI. Oh, like basically straight away then. Which, funny enough, again, like Marillion. Yeah. 
Mm. Um, after La Mole had a chance meeting with Duran Duran keyboardist Nick Rhodes. Oh so La Mole was working as a waiter. Right. Um, Rhodes obviously come into the restaurant. They got talking about music or whatever, because I suppose Nick Rhodes was well known. They would have known, yeah. And um, he obviously gave them a demo or whatever. And actually Nick Rhodes co-produced their first single, Too Shy, with Duran Duran's EMI producer, Colin Thurston. And that's obviously how they then got into EMI. That's how that's going to be the number one. So then in 1983, after the success, mm. came the tensions in the band. In what year? 1983? Yeah. Well, believe me, they don't give themselves time, do they? So they literally done an album. They and had a single and an album. And is that all they did all together? Yeah. And then in 1983, tensions grew in the band following success, culminating with the original four members sacking Lamal. What? So the original four members didn't make it on their own. They got Lamal in. He's helped him out. Oh, by luck, like, give it to him. It was by luck. He didn't really have to do much. And they're like, we've got our success. We don't like you. Like, what? That Fun- doesn't make any sense. Funny enough, funny enough, that's not far from how Lamal sees it as well. So um, they sacked Lamal. Nick Beggs then took over as lead singer again. Now, do, you know what, singer. Do, do you know what they've done? It's like they've got him in, they've used him, and they're well, like, they, we're going to go back to our normal form because yeah. that's all I mean, you can say they used him. It's not like he was well known or anything. And it, I mean, he was just in the right place at the right time yeah. to get them that yeah. record deal. Maybe they're um, jealous because he had. So, but funny enough, what you just said, I'll just read out now. So, Lamal accused them of being envious of him and how he felt betrayed after making them a success. So, pretty much as you just put uh, it. I don't blame him. Was, I'd be like that. I'd be fuming. I'd take him to court. I'd take the name. I'd do everything that I say is really petty. I'd be petty in that situation. Uh, oh, yes. I'd be like, oh, well, I want rights to everything. So, obviously, we don't know what what the um, tensions were all about. You know, mm. it could have been um, the I way bet they were just the jealous. was going to go. It could, have been, it could have been anything. Nah, they were jealous. Um, this we, we don't guy. know, but, but no, I, got I know. And, obviously, there was a bit of... I know this Lamal had a good friendship with what's his name from Duran Duran, and they were like, Oh, we're not in with the big guys, we're not there, we're not going around his house. See you later, mate. We don't like you, we're jealous. That's it's funny because it their hair, all that, their, their style of things is very similar to Duran Duran of that era as well, actually. Oh, yeah, if like you look the at the volume and that as well. Yeah, yeah like the volume. Um, mm. So in 1984, Jez Strode, the drummer, he also left. And then the band disbanded in 1985. OK, so they didn't last long about him anyway, did they? No. So in the US, they are actually known as Kadja. Just Kadja. And the single Turn Your Back On Me reached number two on the US dance charts for two weeks. Okay. So after Strode left, the remaining trio went under the name Kadja over here as well. Right. And the band released Shouldn't Do That as Kadja. 
However, it only reached number 63 in August 1985. Uh, um, no. Their third album, Crazy People's Right to Speak, was unsuccessful. And as I say, the band disbanded in December 1985. So yeah. Kajagugu, in a sense, had already disbanded. They went as Kaja, which was still Kajagugu, because as I say, in the US, that's what they were known as. Yeah. But after little success, they completely they called it a day well i wonder how it would have gone if they didn't sack the mar yeah we will never know no however way. however oh, oh, go 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 in 2003 the band were briefly reunited for a one-off gig for the Including vh1 Lamar. yes right for the vh1 series Bands reunited, and yeah. I've watched that. I've watched it, and I if it's it must be on YouTube or if you can see it get older. I would definitely suggest watch that episode of VH1 Bands Reunited because it for me is the best episode. Not just because they did actually unite and actually played the gig, which is what the end. It's not just about them. Is there other bands in that episode as well? Uh, no, no, it's it's it was right, a different so band each episode. Each episode. They tried, right, what, okay. what the what the what the series or the 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 synopsis of the series was was they picked a band. So there was Frankie Goes to Hollywood, uh, Flock of Seagulls, um, Catchagoo, as I say. Um, they're the ones that I can remember. There was others. Um, so they they obviously bands that are disbanded for whatever reason. They tried to get them all together. So first of all, they had to find where they all are. Oh God, yeah. They then had to get them to meet. And then they all had to sign a contract or an agreement that they would play this one-off gig in front of, you know, like in front of hundred fans, yeah. obviously their own fans, and for the TV cameras. Now, I'll be honest, not a lot of the groups ended up doing the actual concert. However, oh. I can say Kachagugu were one of the ones that did do a gig at the end of it. And I'm pretty sure it was all the band members. Because there were some where not all the band members turned up, but they still done a gig without the others. So the and gig I'm... at the end, is yeah. that all of the bands that reunited? Yeah. Right. No, 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 it's just no. them. Just... Right, okay, right, okay. So that's what I'm saying. Each each episode is is on just one. And that episode, I would definitely say watch. Okay. And I'm pretty sure all of them, I'm pretty sure it's Kachagugu where all of the members turned up and done this gig. Okay. Because I know there was one. I'm trying to think whether it was Kachagugu or, or someone else. I'm pretty sure Kachagugu was all of them. But there was another one where one person didn't and all the other band members said they'll regret not doing it because they enjoyed it. But I can't remember who the other who that was, to be honest. How many um, episodes is that? There was quite a few. I don't even know if there was another series. But um, I definitely remember Flock of Seagulls. I definitely remember Frankie Hollywood, And as I say, obviously Kachagugu. Okay. Um, I think... Was a, I've got a feeling ABC was one of them. Uh, I, I can't remember. Okay. I thought, yeah, I'm pretty actually, yeah, I think ABC was one. And I think actually, if you watch it, Nick Beggs was part of getting them together and he actually played bass for them because I think it was the I think it was ABC's bass player that was the one who didn't do it. Right. Okay. So and I think Nick Beggs, funny enough, <laughs> funny enough as Kachagugu, he actually stood in because he knew um 
oh, I can't think of his name now, the lead singer of ABC. Um, he knew him and he was part of getting them together because obviously I suppose he'd already done it. So he might have been their, their the VH1's link to get into ABC. Yeah, so like I've done it. Uh, yeah. And um, he ended up playing bass for ABC in the gig. Oh, okay. Yeah. So definitely watch watch both. If you can and you get time, definitely watch Kajagoogoo's episode. And if you, you can, watch ABC's as well. Okay. But all of them are good because even the ones that don't come together, you see the friction and how mm. difficult it is when yeah. they don't even want to still talk, go in the same room and talk and that with some of them. Um, I think it was a flock of seagulls. Van and my neighbor brothers. They yeah. were sort of very deep-rooted hurt that they didn't even I don't even think they even got in the same room and chatted it was a no we're not doing it like I'm straight up sure it was you know yeah no talking about um, it okay yeah. all right but yeah definitely one to look out for um bands reunited um vh1 a series so Lamar, um he went on to have some success as a solo soloist and mm-hmm. um he had actually two top 20 singles including never ending story okay so I'm glad that he kind of got yeah. something. Uh, so, yeah, there was um, Catch a had three top 10 singles and they had one top 10 album, White Feathers, at number five. Okay. And they're going to okay. have the number one. So we shall find out. 1983, Too Shy. It's my favourite. single. Yeah. Straight in at number one. Yes. And I think it's one of those where they, they just peaked too soon. No, no, don't say that. Think, if they kept, if they didn't sack Ramal, you don't know. They only didn't yeah. get the success. That, they could have had major success. Well, they could have. I just think it was a bit like, um, I can't remember who the group was the other day. I know what you mean. Hit before they, they'd done their first gig. Yeah, yeah. And oh. um, never, never, never. That um, weren't that long ago. That weren't that um, long ago. I can't remember who it was now. But yeah, they, they had, a, had a hit. Oh, it was Lotus Eaters, wasn't it? Lotus Eaters, first mm. picture of you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they had their first big hit and um, never reached it. Well, I mean, Catch a Googie, their first hit was number one. Can't, can't, can't blame it. Can't blame it. It's a really good song. And the reason I thought that would be the number one, I was so confident is because I recognised it. Yeah. I mean, I do try to say if I recognise it, I don't always go with that's going to be a number one just because I recognised it. But this week, because I'd never heard of any of the bands or any any of them, and that was the only song that I recognised, I was like, okay, for me to know it, but I don't know why I recognise it. Like, Con, I don't recognise it. But literally, as soon as it was on, as it was playing, I found myself singing along and I was like, what am I doing? Why am I playing what? what? And then I played it again. It's a really good song, really catchy, and it's very electronic. But yeah. oh, I really enjoyed it. Love it. I've yeah. put it in my likes, good song. liked songs yeah. on Spotify. Uh-huh. Okay, so it. after that, they had 1983's Ooh to Be R. Mm. And I got to number seven. Okay. It's another catchy one. It's a bit calmer, yeah. but still a good one. Uh, then they had 1983 again, Hang On Now, number 13. This was my least favourite. And I was wow. saying, you know, like they were consistent. This one just didn't have much to it compared okay. to all the rest. Mm. So Lamole's now been sacked, second album. 
Um, I suppose the next single, 1983's Big Apple, is the lead single probably from the second album. Uh, this has now got Nick Beggs back as lead vocalist. This is actually my favourite. I like this. I do like Too Shy, but mm. I think because this isn't as known, it is a song it's, I really like. Yeah. And it got to number eight. Right. Now, now that I know about the change in like lead singers... Looking at what I've written and remembering the songs, there is a change in the vocals. This Nick Beggs guy does the high pitchy bits. And he's very good at like, so in Big Apple at the end, it kind of like he goes up, like at the end of like the lyric. I can't remember the lyrics, but it all go up. Oh, it's really good. It, I, like I remember it. It's a memorable song. Yeah. It is a good I, song. I, but I like now, but now, yeah. now that you've told me, I'm like, ah, there is a change. But I didn't think much of it because obviously me being blind and just listening, I, you don't, I don't think, oh, there could be someone else. Oh, this could be in another decade. But now you said that, yeah, because I've written the high pitch vocals again on another one that you're going to say in a minute. Uh-huh. Ah, okay. So I, I'm, I'm guessing that it's about living in um, New York because New, New York is known as the Big Apple. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but no, a really good, really nice song, I think. And um, as close as they were probably going to, I mean, Uta Br obviously charted higher at number seven, mm. but I, I prefer Big Apple over. I do like it. Uta yeah. Br. Um, 1984, The Lion's Mouth, number twenty-five. That's just a bit of upbeat music. Gets you, you know, you're bopping along. And then 1984, Turn Your Back On Me, which, as I've already said, reached number two in the US dance charts. Mm-hmm. Um, it only got to number 47 Ooh. in the actual official UK chart. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the one where I'm like high-pitched vocals again. And that's sing-along. So I liked it. So I do like him without this Lamar guy, but I just feel sorry for the Lamar mm-hmm. guy. I'm on yeah. his side. Okay. Oh, I would say most fans were because their 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 popularity sort of mm. waned after that. So obviously they were they were up there. They were on the first now tape. They were. Um, I'm not sure if they were involved. No, they well, they probably finished by the time Live Aid come along. To be honest, nineteen eighty five. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, they were. They were finished. Um, so um, well, no, they weren't. So they were disbanded in December eighty five. So they were still around, but they weren't. They, w- they would have been one of the first l- names on the list if it had been two years earlier. Mm. But instead, I, I, I don't I don't recall them be, even being involved in it. So um, they literally fell off a cliff as far mm. as their popularity went. Even though Big Apple still done well without Lamar, they they never really hit the heights of what they did with um, Lamar. But as I say, you know, when you get your first, your first hits are number one, it's very hard. Yeah, to keep to, it. To keep that, yeah. that success. So, yeah, so that that's Kajigugu. Mm, okay. So um, now we're probably, I mean, the, the next three bands, we're, we're probably, it won't take a lot to get through them because uh, <laughs> they only had one song each anyway. Mm-hmm. So we'll start off with Fiction Factory. Yeah. So obviously... As much as you say, they've only got one song, it's not going to take as long. I listen to three other songs per band. Uh-huh. So Fiction Factory, I listen to, I think they're a synth-pop band. I listen to Panic, which was electric. They had, oh, what is wrong with me this week? The 
got good vocals again. <laughs> um, Ghost of Love, it's got a nice beat. And Heart of Mine, they sounded more robotic, like they were really using the program and the synthesizer and then doing something with the mic to kind of go along with it. I don't know. I like the lyrics of these. It's nice to listen to. Um, and the vocals are nice. They go, they could change their tone. Um, also, the songs that I listened to were all off the same album with the one that you gave me. So, yeah. And, you know, that again, these are ones that look quite alike. They're quite blonde. Um, but, they're just, you know, not much to say about them. Um, okay. Live performances, again, quite they're quite calm group. It was nice. Yeah. Okay. So Fiction Factory were Kevin Patterson on vocals, Charles Chick Medley on guitar, Graham McGregor on bass, Edward Eddie Jordan on keyboards, and Mike Ogletree, Ogletree on drums. Grant Taylor actually played trumpet on the first album as well. Oh. So he was involved in the, them at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, they were formed in 1982 in Perth, Scotland. Okay. And they are a new wave synth pop band. Originally, Patterson, Jordan, Taylor, and Medley were in a skinhead ska band called Stop. the Rude Boys. Really? I won't be able yeah. to picture them in anything like that. Like they're too calm, they're too like chill. There you go. And they then enlist, enlisted McGregor, originally from Simple Minds. Um, oh. And Ogletree, who was in Caf Jacks. And their single, Feels Like Heaven, reached the top 10 in Belgium, Germany, Italy, Ireland, and Switzerland. Okay, so they've gone international, kind of. Yeah. Uh, Fiction Factory actually disbanded in 1987, and Patterson left the music industry to work in IT. So complete. Oh, well, that's yeah. completely different, isn't thing. it? Although he did reunite with Jordan to perform Feels Like Heaven at Jordan's wedding. Oh, that's quite nice. So they didn't fall out. No, so Eddie Jordan being the uh, the keyboard player. Oh. Um, so the original lineup reformed in 2011 uh. for the first time since 1984 when Taylor left. So, as I say, he was only involved in the first album. Mm-hmm. And they performed at that year's Rewind Festival. Okay. Yeah. How you can really, um, it's a bit hard because they're only really known for one group. And I just look, because you said about obviously other songs you've done. Mm. They've only released two singles. Feels Like Heaven and Ghost of Love. It's their other to, one. I listened to that And one. that got to number 64. Wow. Okay. So they only had one top 20 hit. No, rather, whether they, I'm guessing they had an album, but it certainly didn't chart. Mm. But, I mean, the songs that I've listened to off that album, like I say, yeah. these are all off the same album. It's not yeah. bad. No. So they obviously got lucky, but didn't, didn't build on the success. So um, 1984, Feels Like Heaven, got to number six. Okay, so it's a high charter. Well, that one was calm. Like I say, they're a calm group, which is why I can't picture them being in a ska band. Um, and it's catchy and it's got a nice tinkle sound in it. Don't ask, like, but I'm guessing it's something to do with the synthesizer, but it's a nice tinkly sound. I think that gives you like the mood of what they're what it is. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, swiftly moving on, Reflex. Yeah. So again, listen to three songs, all off the same album again. Uh-huh. Um, I can see why the politics of dancing was their hit because the others, like you know, Jungle. I think they're a new wave band. Like that's what I've gone with because I have no idea. You can hear a synthesizer, but you can't in Jungle. But you can't hear it in any of the others. Jungle's very quiet. Something about you. Actually, they must be synth pop because in something about you, they just had too many sounds, but I couldn't really work out whether it was instruments or programmed. And it was just like, calm down. And then hit line. That is a good chorus, but there weren't much else to it. Um, I think they're still going because what I looked at on Spotify, the, they had like albums to try and like when I was trying to find ones to listen to, I got all these off the same album, but they had albums for, I can't remember how recent, but recent. So I feel like they're still about, don't know. I also thought that, however, there is a um, another band called Reflex, but it's all one word. Because when you when I put in the chart positions for them, um, in 2001, put your hands up, and you got to number 72, was Reflex featuring MC Viper but the reflex was totally different the sound was totally different I thought ah this is a different group so I'm not Mm, sure no so I've just gone back on it so on Spotify you go on the artist's profile so that is reflex that's the album that I listened to okay you scroll popular releases are here and that's 2020 2020 2020 2020 actually they're all albums released in 2020 Humanication, okay. well, jamming the broadcast, refuse. It's definitely and that and that refuse has got the politics of dancing in it. So it sounds okay. like well, it looks did, like they might. Oh, well, just, there is there is a bit of information I've got later to give you. Right, which okay. might might be to do with that. So um, reflect the most known lineup are John Baxter on vocals, Paul Fishman on keyboards, Roland Vaughan Kerridge on drums and Nigel Ross Scott on the bass. They were formed in 1981 in Birmingham, England, okay. and they are indeed a new wave synth pop band. Okay, so I went with new wave because I didn't know, but I should have just stopped with synth pop. So early lineups had Francois Craig on bass, plus two drummers who would go on to form another group, Phil Gould and Mark King. You're saying Mark that like I should King, you should. Mark King became a leading bass player as well as vocalist while playing with Phil Gould, who stay, obviously stayed as a drummer, for level 42. Now, I didn't know that level 42's bass player was originally a drummer and obviously yeah. for reflex. But yes. Okay. There you go. Right. And I only found that out by when I looked into Reflex. It certainly didn't. I've looked back on my notes from And that never came up that he nothing. used to. And I've even looked back on him and it doesn't even say in his career or anything that I could see wow. that he was actually a drummer for Reflex. But yes. And Ooh. so was Phil Gould, who was the drummer for Level 42 anyway. So they weren't even, I don't even think they were in the group at the same time. She wouldn't have two drummers. So very weird, very, very um, confusing. So John Hodges uh, was the original guitarist 
and he left just before the first album was recorded. Right. And um, so, yeah, and then obviously he was, he was taken over by a bass player. They've mm-hmm. obviously done away with the, the normal guitar, brought in a bass player in Nigel Ross Scott. So Politics of Dancing reached number nine in Canada. Okay. It was number 11 in Australia, uh, number 12 in New Zealand, and number 24 in the U.S., where it also made U- that number eight in the U.S. dance chart. So obviously we just spoke about um, um, one of uh, Kachagugu's songs getting to number two. Um, they got to number eight. You've literally just done it. Turn your back on me. Yeah, that got to number two in the U.S. dance. And they've got, got to number eight. eight in the U.S. dance with Politics of Dancing. Now, in Canada, where, as I say, it got to number nine, it actually stayed in the top 20 for nine weeks. So, obviously, the Canadians really loved that song. Wow. Okay. I mean, I'll let you know what I think about it. Okay. So, Politics of Dancing was featured in the 1998 film Edge of Seventeen. Okay. So, you know, when you think it was what? Stevie Nicks did a song called Edge of Seventeen. So... Another, what, 14 years later, still mm. going um, or being used. I mean, that's probably all they're known for. It's the only yeah, hit well, I've got. In, in 1987, the group worked on the soundtracks for Superman 4, um, and they recorded Life's Too Dangerous and Revolution Now. However, I've looked on the soundtrack and I couldn't see either of those two songs. So whether they actually made it to but, the final mm, cut, I don't know. Like they um, did it, but whether it got used. Yeah. However, after recording was completed, the group ceased active, actively working together. However, they never officially disbanded. Okay, so technically. So, hang on. When, but there's albums released and it is on Reflex. Like, yeah, you've so got hold reviews. On. Fishman and Kerridge. Right. Okay, so Fishman, the keyboard player, Paul Fishman, and Roland Vaughan Kerridge, the drummer, they actually remastered the band's back catalogue in 2010. No, 2020. Literally, all it is is 1983 and then five for 2020. Well, I don't know if that's the same group, because then in an interview in 2012... Paul Fishman announced that drummer Roland Vaughan Kerridge had died following three rounds of surgery on a brain tumour. And they were the only two that were still active with regards reflex from what I can see. Okay. And no, that I don't was know. remastering back catalogue. But that might be what that yeah. is, and it may be the 2020. It, it could be, it could be they were, know. you know, so I don't I don't know, but I I've not come across anything to say that um anything was done so yeah so they had one top 30 single oh top 30 oh you've not said that before go on where'd it come so 1984 the politics of dancing by reflex peaked at number 28 really yeah so even though it was done really well abroad Mm, it wasn't really something that we wanted and I suppose it's because of the good music that was around at that time. Uh, it's got a nice beat to it. And I like the chorus. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, number nine in Canada. Let's look at it that way. Yeah. They're done so, well there. Yeah. And for, as I say, they stayed in there for nine weeks. 
So definitely, mm, definitely, definitely. Uh, I mean, liked over there. Over here, the weeks in the chart, it was nine weeks. In Canada, well, it, it was in the top twenty for nine weeks. We didn't oh, even get okay. into the top twenty in those. Right? Oh, okay, I'm with you. So yeah, so it made the chart. So the top one hundred for nine weeks over here mm. in um, in Canada, it got hot. It made the top twenty, which it didn't even reach over here for nine weeks. So it just shows you the difference in what what music people are like, but also probably what the competition was elsewhere. Yeah. Why, I don't know why, you know, whatever the the top 25 over here, why I didn't do well in Canada. I don't know why politics of dancing done so well. It's hard to know. Who knows? Anyway, moving on to TransX. Yeah. And there is a link with Canada with these. Oh, do you know that? what it is? No idea. I thought these were a bit foreign because in their album where Living on a Video is, they've got songs called Viva So Video, Itch Lieb Ditch. So I thought they were foreign. Well, here we go then. Trans X are Steve Wyatt on Synthesizers, Pascal Langriand on vocals and guitar, which is like a keyboard that you play on your like a, you're holding a guitar. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know. We might what have you mean. seen it, but we've not yeah. seen it. it's a keyboard that you play, but it's a guitar, guitar. Um, and then you had Anne Brasso and Laurie Ann Gill on backing vocals, but they weren't right. at the same time. What it is is Anne Brasso was the backing vocalist in the studio, but then she quit, and uh, Leanne Ann Gill was the backing vocalist for videos and touring. Right. But not on the actual single. Yeah. Okay. They were formed in 1981 in Montreal, Canada. Oh, so there's the link. So hence the French sound, because it is French-Canadian, isn't it? There's a lot of French-Canadian or French-sounding people, uh, origins in Canada. Mm. So, yeah. So uh, they're a new wave synth-pop High energy group. Right. Okay. I mean, I put right. I put house since pop because do you know who Cascader is? No. Right. So she's a singer from like my time. Um, and they've Cascade. Done a, no, Cascada. I'm right. She's a. She's a woman. They've done a song of her. So are these still going? And also these are more like producers now because they don't sing on it. They're just like the, they do the music. And then uh, which could be, I was yeah, really possibly. worried because I was like, nah, surely not. Um, and then you've made me worried that Reflex actually aren't who like I'm on the wrong one on Spotify, but Spotify don't, even if you've got the same name, they don't put them in the same page. Because at the bottom, they have a little about. So I checked, like I checked, and it is Transex, the 1980s band on Spotify that I'm looking at. And they've got a song with Cascada. So, and that was in 2021. So they must still mm-hmm. be going. Um, so I listened to that because I was shocked. It's not bad. It's just a lot of music. Um, and then I listened to I'm Yours Tonight. And that's very programmed. So I got a bit of, um, that's where I got the synth from in there. Um, 
yeah, there's not much to really say about them. I thought that they were foreign, just going off things. They're a duo, right? Yeah, I got yeah, that yeah, right. Yeah, yeah cool. Yeah. Um, so Steve Wyatt and Pascal Languard are the two main ones. And then, as I say, you had the, the lady in the back in, as a backing vocal. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, the name comes from Kraftwerk's 1977 song, Trans Europe Express. Oh, hence Trans X. X. Okay. So uh, Languard, who who was the original, he was on his own originally, mm-hmm. um, he thought that the, the song was catchy and right. it reflected the direction he wanted to take himself. So he was obviously okay. influenced by Kraftwerk, like we know a lot of other yeah. people were. Um, from the synth pop. And then in 1982, he recruited Wyatt as the second half of TransX, and they recorded a demo that secured TransX a record deal for the single. So it's just a record contract for the single. Right. Viva Servideo. That's what I said. That's what made me think they were foreign. Which, the English version, living on video. I did think maybe (laughs) it's... But then I was like, no, because it's on the same album. (laughs) So... Living on Video was released in May 1983 and was an instant hit in Canada. Canada. Where they're from. Shock. Why would it yes. not be? And eventually sold 2 million copies worldwide. And in the UK, it was originally released in 1984, peaking at number 77. Oh. So in Canada, where so it was released a it year before, it was a hit. Um, actually, I don't actually know where it got to in Canada. Um, I'll have a quick look while we're uh, live doing this. Um, it doesn't doesn't even tell. Me. Oh, hang on. Uh, so it got to number eight in Austria. Right. Number thirteen in Belgium. Okay. It got to number one in Spain. Oh. Number three in Germany. Number 12 in the Netherlands. Okay. Number two in Switzerland, but it doesn't tell me where it got to in Canada. Oh. So there we go. And but, then uh, why have I got them if they only got to number 77? Because they're, and then, yeah, number 77 in the UK, because that was in 1983 or stroke 1984. Right. They then re released it in 1985. Okay, two years later. Yeah where it got to number 61 in the US top 100 or top okay. yeah, top 100 billboard. Yeah, yeah. It got to number 40 in Australia and it got to number 17 in Ireland. Right. That's still not the UK. We will find out where it got to the UK at the end of this summary. Right. As normal. Okay. Oh, so, okay. You're um, being weird. Yeah. So in <laughs> 1988, after the band's third album, so even though they only had really one hit, hit single, they still released they had three uh, albums. Langrand decided to retire Trans X. Oh, okay. Um, however, in 1994, he returned and re recorded a remake, Living on Video 2003. Oh, so he's however, just I've basically. Got nothing Nothing, of whether it charted didn't do. chart because there is nothing here. And in 2006, he even done it again with Living on Video 2K6. Was, but again, uh, nothing. 
But so, literally, he so just literally keeps re-recording they're just recording the same song. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just make more money so, off that. One. I'd love to know what their other albums sound like, especially the it ones that haven't rubbish. even got that on the album. Yeah. So they had one top ten single. So this is in 1985 when they've re-released it. Yeah. It got to number nine. Um, all right. So not bad. But what's really funny about this is you can hear the program sounds. And if you really listen, at one point, it sounds like Space Invader. Like <laughs> I little think they've done that on movement. purpose because... He was trying, obviously, he was influenced by very early craft work. And they and had lots of... were the pioneers of synth pop and what mm. have you. And they were very tinny in yeah. their very original sounds. Yeah, Until, awful. obviously, the model. Um, so Still I think awful. he was trying to recapture what he mm. liked or was from influenced that. by from the mm. early craft but work. It didn't really work, did it? It did well. It certainly well, didn't. It did. I mean, they got that number, one song. They had number one in Spain. Oh, um, all right. And, it, but and you know, where else did I say? Um, they did well in Germany. Three in Germany. Two in Switzerland. Uh, you know, number three, in, three Germany. in Germany and number eight in Austria. So those sort of those. Yeah. Mm, all right. European countries did them, um, as I say, when it was. But then it's like from number seventy-seven work, well. to number nine. Yeah. Okay, that brings us to the end. Yeah. So. Do you want to find out what I think? Let's go back to Marillion and find out whether you were influenced or not, with it being a hit or a miss. So, Marillion was a miss. I did like quite, I did like a few songs, just not enough. No, like, just not enough, because no. they had so many songs. And because there's so many, it's like, well, I've definitely explored them, haven't I? You know, there's nothing else that I could possibly really listen to, to yeah. l- like, like, do you know what I mean? Like, there's so yeah. many that, my opinion, definitely yeah. my opinion. There's nothing and I, I, I'd be the same. Outside of Kaylee and Lavender, I absolutely like, you know. Mm. Outside of those, I mean, obviously you like Beautiful as well. And In Communion. Um, in commun- in yeah, which was a hit even. One. And I, but I just, I've listened to it and I still doesn't, I don't recognise it. Even it got to like six it. back in yeah, the 80s. Yeah, that's weird that um, you don't know. And after I, you know, because as I say, it was Lavender that I remember them for mm. and being brought to me. But if you'd asked me any others outside of Kaylee and Lavender, I did, wouldn't have known any other songs of theirs. So, okay. no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, as a, and as we pointed out, they were, not a mainstream um, and they're rock group, and but very yeah, and obviously being rock as well. Um, though it's more soft rock, yeah, yeah, but neo prog. There's too much, um, but um, but they have obviously a, a good enough following to have, in a sense, been pioneers of crowdfunding. Yeah, hats so, off yeah. to them for doing that. So moving on then to Kajagugu. They're a hit. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Apart from, like, there's one, the, oh, I can't remember what it's called. Hang, hang on now. Hang on now. Yeah, that was the only one that I weren't so keen on, but I still did like it. But I liked them, really enjoyed them. They're like, they're the music that I would listen to, definitely. Yeah. So they're a hit. And that's, the, I mean, yeah, it's the sort of music I like, mm. definitely. They, yeah. were the, they were the group for me this, this week. Mm. Um, that I would go out and buy an album for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Best yeah. Of. Um, Fiction Factory. 
They were I see also only one, but you listened to others. They were also a hit. Uh-huh. I enjoyed every song that I listened to of theirs. Um, right. It just had a little something, you know. I don't know. I don't know what it was. Just it, you know. It just sounds like songs that I would go out and listen to. They've got nice vocals, which apparently I'm obsessed with this week. And um, you know, all the songs that I listen to, you know, I've like written good beat. It's I, I don't know. They're just catchy and they're calm. They're not in your uh-huh. face. The lyrics are nice to listen to. So, yeah, and I really like films that happen. Okay, that's good. Uh, Reflex. Uh, miss. Uh-huh. Yeah. They're, Total miss. Yeah, they're, they're not really. Didn't even need to think about that one. <laughs> and lastly, Transex. Uh, also miss. Well, they they had uh, one, one song. Also did Fiction much. Factory. Yeah, but you said you'd listen to others. Yeah, I've listened to others on all of them. Oh, so what? The, you, listen- uh, I don't even I don't remember Trans X. I'm yours tonight. It was just very programmed, oh, wow. and that one by Cascade on this as well. Ah, okay. I think they're more like they're more like producers. They're more like I don't know. They could be a DJ. Yeah, and I think that is the. But that's where they've gone down now. Where he's gone to. Yeah. Um, or certainly Steve Wyatt, I think, has gone that way. Yeah. I think probably two is where I'd have um, hoped for. And it'd probably been, I'd have probably been obviously resting on Marillion. I wasn't expecting any of the other three groups to really mm. do much. So mm. um, the fact that you like Fiction Factory is a, yeah. a bonus, I suppose, um, because that made up for you not liking Marillion. So yeah. um, whereas Catchy Google, I suppose that was my bank. I think that was a like given. Yeah, that was going to be a given. Bank mm. So yeah. Okay. We're now moving into 1984, as I say. And are you ready? For series two, episode 14. I am. Go for it. Who have I got? You have got Aha. Shut up. Have I? You've got Aha. Okay. You've got Huey Lewis and the News. Huey Lewis and the News? Yes. Huey. Huey Lewis, yes, and the News. Okay. You have got everything but the girl. Not heard of them. We've mentioned them, I think, before. Have we? Well, I we feel have. like that's we a song. We definitely have. She was in another group. She was she was to uh, to do with another group or uh, like oh. a guest singer or something, if I remember. Oh, I remember, I remember when you group sang. Now, but yeah. Um, propaganda. No. Alphaville. What? Alphaville. Alphaville. Okay. And Wong Chong. Wong Chong. Okay. Wang Chong. Okay. They are your six groups for next week. Right. I mean, I've got a ha. So I've got high expectations um, for a ha. I was about to say, a ha are my favorite group band of all time. Yeah. And if you even consider coming back next week and saying a miss that we're, it. We're, it ends there you said this before well this this i mean because it's aha. no you don't no you don't it's aha you don't. the greatest band of all time in my eyes <laughs> the best music of all time okay and um 
we could literally do an episode just on them for me. No, 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 no. If we did an episode on just them, you'd just be there saying about all the concerts you've been to. Oh, so many. I'd have to do a video to show people all the merchandise you've got. (laughs) You'd You'd have Yvonne guest starring to talk about them. But we're not going to do that, are we, Dad? No, we're not. I'll <laughs> some, I'll keep, try and keep it short when I uh, talk about them and let their music do the talking. Okay. As you absolutely gush over what you've listened to this <laughs> week. All right, we'll find out. Okay. Yeah? All right. Okay, so I will send you over the songs for those six groups. There is another five that you'll be talking to. <laughs> yeah, we'll try you remember and, that, Dad. Try and remember. slot them in. Um, but, yeah. So um, I think you're in for a very, very good week. I'm going to practice my poker face so that you have no idea whether I like yeah. Kahar or not. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I look forward to it next week. As I say, you are in for a treat this week. Okay. It is, we are now moving into the, the real 80s music. I mean, it probably started this week, Catch a Goo Goo, to be honest. Or even to a degree last week, because even the Lotus Eaters were, were the start of... It. And obviously, you've already had Frankie Goes Hollywood and the Thompson Twins. Yeah. So we have started it, but it's so now, yeah. It's now it's full on. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, for me. Okay. Right. Yeah. So um, that'll be next week. This week was was a good week, I think. I couldn't expect more than two. Mm-hmm. Um, nice nice surprise. The Fiction Factory got in a, got a hit. Yeah. Um, no, I really so like yeah. them. I'd listen to that album so, that I listened to. No. Good. Okay. All right, then. Um, on that, I will say goodbye. I will send you over the songs for this week and um, enjoy. Yeah, I'll try. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye, Dad.